Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so grateful you're here with us, and I'm very thankful to be your host. We're going to be looking on ancient origins. I've kind of been stuck on there a lot lately. Um, little article, they've got Tunnel Vision, the Mysterious Forced Injury of the Caliph into the Great Pyramid of Giza. So let's get started. The Great Pyramids have been in the news a lot been using the LIDAR technology, the laser imaging technology, finding a, a new tunnel in there that they think really helped uh, kind of like you do concrete. You, you put little breaks in the concrete to keep it from cracking that it was used to keep uh, the tunnel above it safe, and they think there may be a tunnel below it. They're still constantly finding things out about the Great Pyramid, and some are saying, you know, the incredible technology, not just in building it, what it was used for. And and just, I mean, how it's laid out. I've done some podcasts on, on this. But let's get started. So Tunnel Vision, the mysterious forced entry of the Caliph into the Great Pyramid of Giza. Did want to say thanks for being here. Join us daily. Leave us a five-star review. Just helps people find us and greatly appreciated. Much appreciated you being here with all things biblical archaeology, Isaiah 19 and 20. Some people think that's mentioning the Great Pyramid, but I don't think so. The classical account of the discovery of the upper chambers inside the Great Pyramid of Giza is well known. The 9th century, an Arab governor of Cairo, known as the Caliph al-Mum, decided to see for himself what lay inside the Great Pyramid. So this is in the 800s AD. Because the entrance to the pyramid was concealed in its location and known, his workers began to excavate a tunnel boldly through the casing and core blocks with hammers and chisels. Now that's forced entry there. Fortuitously for the caliph, their busy tunneling shook the structure so much the capstone fell off the end of the ascending passage. The resonating crash was heard by the workers who dug in that direction, found not only the descending passage, but also ascending passage and all the upper chambers in the pyramid. After thousands of years lying undisturbed deep inside the Great Pyramid, the king's and queen's chambers were finally open, and their treasure would soon belong to the caliph. You know, and I will say this, in reading books, like from the 1800s, early 1900s, people were fascinated with the Great Pyramid, and they took it, a lot of them, as like a type of Jesus, because the tomb was empty, and then how many cubits was it from the entrance to where he was, and then... That was the number of years to the coming of Jesus and just uh, all kind of stuff. So, uh, but as the story goes, there was no treasure. Apparently, this most ancient and precious cupboards was completely bare. There was not only no burial artifacts, but no burial and no inscriptions either. The first thought to cross the mind of the caliph must have been that the tomb had been robbed, but how? Even if the secret well shaft deep inside the pyramid had been found at this stage, it's hardly a suitable tunnel through which to strip a wealthy uh, burial chamber totally bare. So where's all the loot? The caliph and his excavators must not have only been very exasperated after all their work, but mystified too. And it's got a like a diagram here. And this was done before the most recent tunnel find. So Mamun's Tunnel, M-A-M-U-N-S, are we so sure that this is what really happened just over a millennia ago? Are we simply complacent because this is what has been taught us by respected authorities for centuries? After all, it's much easier to simply agree with the established consensus of opinion, which I will say is many times right, but sometimes or maybe even many times wrong. 
rather than thinking positively and laterally about the problem. Fortunately, there are a few individuals out there who are more than happy to challenge a whole raft of classical myths. And so it was from one day that a short email arrived in Ralph Alice's inbox from a like-minded colleague, Mark Foster, not the wonderful pastor in uh, Louisiana. Mark had an idea that had been bothering him for some time. He wanted to throw it around a bit. A quick read convinced Ralph that it was a highly original idea, definitely worth some further thought. After a few debates here and there and following alternative scenario to the classical story developed, which is quite attractive in many respects, yet this new explanation not only answers some irritating puzzles, it poses some interesting and fundamental questions in return. Got a great picture of the Caliph al-Mamun's forced entrance into the Great Pyramid, which tracks directly towards the join between the ascending and descending passages. So let's see what this new speculation is. As Mark explained, the basic problem with the classical explanation was that Mamun's tunnel was rather too accurate for comfort. It tracks into the pyramid into a direct line for all the important junction between the descending and ascending passageways. It is often cited that Mamun had to turn the tunnel sharp left to discover the original passageways, a fact that Ralph and Mark had in back of their minds when they first visited the Great Pyramid. But as Ralph and Mark ambled down the forced tunnel, they were both rather mystified because the left turn cited in the literature could not be found. Having backtracked the tunnel and tried again, that left turn seemed to be no more than a slight widening of the tunnel at this point. In actual fact, the diggings were almost right on their target. So how did this happen? Was my mom just lucky and happened to pick the right spot or did he have an idea where to go? Now we'll say this. He could have just been lucky. So it's got a picture of the third pyramid. Note how the granite blocks have been smoothed down around the entrance, which clearly marks its location. There's also the problem of why Mamun was tunneling inside the pyramid in the first place. Not only was the presence of the true entrance of the pyramid well known in classical times, but people were also aware of the descending passage in the subterranean cavern at the very bottom of the pyramid. Strabo says the original entrance to the Great Pyramid, the Great Pyramid a little way up on one side has a stone that may be taken out, which being raised up, there's a sloping passage to the foundations. Strabo seems to be describing a door made of stone that is movable in some way. It can be moved upwards and outwards at the same time. This sounds like a hinged flap arrangement with the hinge at the top of the stone, maybe. So was this description mere fantasy or historical fact? We do not know. Strabo was okay with that. But Strabo is obviously very familiar with the internal layout of the lower portion of the pyramid, as he calls them the lower cavern, the foundations, rather than the more obvious term, the chamber. Yeah. Strabo was right, because the void below the pyramid is much more roof-hewn cavern than smooth rectangular chamber. We know that the entrances of the Giza pyramids were known about in ancient times, because some of them are quite obvious. And so then it has the picture of the third pyramid. Um, I'm going to skip over. Some, and so it's likely that the position of the entrance of the Great Pyramid was equally obvious as the third pyramid. But it's important to note that the ascending passage in the Great Pyramid had been carefully concealed by the builders, so nobody in this early era knew about the Queen and King's chamber high up inside the pyramid. The only chamber in the Great Pyramid was that open and known that in this era was the rough cavern at the very bottom of the pyramid, which Strabo accurately terms as the foundations. Now, it's got the second entrance to the Vega Bit Pyramid, which is located high up in the western face of the pyramid. They've got a picture of that here. Very good one. Sir Flinders Petrie, who we've talked about much on this channel, 
Back this quotation up with a detailed study of the entrances to the Vega Bent Pyramid, the only pyramid that still has the doorways around the entrance intact. He found that on either side of the entrance, there were holes cut opposite each other, about 9 centimeters in diameter, 14 centimeters deep. These holes were just inside the entrance and only 15 centimeters from the top of the passage. Petrie not unreasonably interpreted these as being the hinge sockets to swing the stone door from. And it's got a little diagram of this as well. So here then we have clear evidence that a movable entrance stone was fitted to the Great Pyramid and the descending passage had been visited perhaps many times throughout recorded history. To gain entry to the pyramid, however, was still not easy. Unless there was a flight of steps cut into the now missing casing blocks, a series of ladders would have to be erected against the side of the pyramid to reach the door. Presumably, the entry stone must have had a handle of some sort of much to pull. I am skipping a few things. Undoubtedly, all this frenetic activity would have scratched and pitted the entrance to the pyramid over the millennia in a very obvious fashion. Yet it's generally accepted that the casing box must have been intact during the rule of Mamun, as the casing box appeared to have been used by Sultan Hassan for the construction of his mosque in 1356. The question is, therefore, why could Mamam not see these telltale marks in the original entrance to the pyramid that lay only a few meters above him? Why could he not see the handle on the door, the scuffed marks of the smooth exterior? And knowledge of the location of the true entrance must still have been known in this era, so why could none of the locals be persuaded to point it out? And this apparent invisibility of the original entrance could not have been because it was covered by sand, for instance, because Mamun's tunnel lows below the level of the real entrance. So what was the problem? Why so much effort expended in digging a new tunnel when the original entrance lay just above it? So here's the thing. Some very important questions have been posed here. Why could Mamom not see the real entrance to the Great Pyramid when it was so well known and so close to his own entrance? So, um, I think they're just going to try to answer this question here. So, guide passage. Having considered the problem, Mark Foster had an idea that Mamun already knew about the original entrance and the descending passage he constructed the new forced entry tunnel for another reason entirely, perhaps to get around the granite plug rocks in the ascending passage, perhaps to get the necessary equipment in the right position to dig around those blocks. But if Maman did not discover the ascending passage while he was creating his new forced tunnel, then how did he know it was there? I mean, that's a great question. So Mark and Ralph came to the same conclusions on this topic. The key to discovering the ascending passage lies outside the Great Pyramid, just to the east of the base and to the north of the causeway. Here lies what Petrie called the Trial Passage, which is simply a foreshortened replica of the Great Pyramid's descending passage, an all-important junction with the ascending passage. As everything on the plateau has a purpose, why is the passageway there? Petrie thought it was a test bed that the architect had used to test out the procedures for laying out the internal passageways to the pyramid. Good thought. So that's a definite possibility. But they thought it's not a trial passage. Mark and myself think it was a guide passage. What do we mean by guide passage? This is the author's. Well, any interested party looking for this short passage system will clearly see the similarity Symmetry with the real descending passage inside the Great Pyramid. But a little further down this guide passage, it will come across a junction with another ascending passageway. The idea might just dawn on someone that the real pyramid passageways 
might have the same configuration. So, pretty fascinating, um, to say the least. I'm going to uh, read to you the Caliph's tale. Mamun laboriously climbed his way up the 41.2 cubits of swaying ladders to the original entrance of the Great Pyramid, a difficult task for a portly caliph and a worrying moment for his advisors. After a short slide down the descending passage of the junction with the ascending passage, he entered the small rough shaft as men had dug around the granite plug. And it just keeps going and going and going. And then it's got a beautiful picture of the broken sarcophagus inside the king's chamber. And then the question is asked, was this damage the work of Caliph al-Mamum's men? Where is the lid of this sarcophagus? It's got another thing that this may be the most interesting part of this whole thing, if you stayed with me this part, because I'm skipping over a lot. It would just take us ages to go through this entire thing. The black stone, the Hajar al-Aswad, the black stone of Mecca, or black stones of Mecca. So where did the lid of the king's chambers eventually go? Ralph and Mark have sometimes been accused of layering speculation upon speculation. This one is too obvious not to mention in passing. The caliph was obviously a Muslim. At the center of the sacred Islamic city of Mecca lies a plaza that draws the fate from all over the world during the Hajj. In the middle of this plaza lies a simple cubic building or chamber, the Kaaba. On one corner of the Kaaba lies the holiest relic in the Muslim world, the Hajar al-Aswad, the black stone. This relic is simply six fragments of black granite of unknown origin stuck together and placed in a vesica piscus shroud. The article Tunnel Vision has been extracted with permission from Thoth, architect of the universe by Ralph Ellis, Quest of the Gods by Ralph Ellis. So, um, that's amazing. If when he found that in the great sarcophagus that this is where the uh, six granite stones in the Kaaba come from. But weren't they already there like well before this? This is in the 800s AD and that was in the 600s AD when, yeah. So see to me just a lot of speculation but I'm just not sure. Uh, and it's all interesting, and I, I'm very interested in the story of how and why. But then, boy, you just take it another step that just seems maybe too far. So, God bless. Thanks for listening. We will talk with you later. Please listen to our playlist. Join us daily. God bless you. Bye-bye.